Welcome to Extra Innings, a Phillies podcast from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Matt Breen, and I'm joined today by Phillies first baseman, Reese Hoskins. Our Phillies preview section is online this week at philly.com, and it'll be on newsstands on opening day. It's full of stories from Scott Lauber, Bob Brookover, and myself, along with all of our sports columnists at the Inquirer. And also, if you're not subscribed already, our newsletter, Extra Innings, will be published five days a week beginning on opening day, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. It's in your inboxes, gives you everything you need to know that day about the Phillies, and you can subscribe at philly.com slash newsletters. I talked this week with Reese Hoskins about his journey from a minor leaguer to become the face of the Phillies, what his impressions are of Bryce Harper, and what makes a good walk-up song. If you're not subscribed already, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast and leave a review. Thanks. Thanks for uh, coming on Extra Innings. Our second guest, we had Gabe yesterday, now we have you today. And um, when I was getting ready for this interview, I thought back to the first time I interviewed you. And funny story I tell people because I needed a story at the end of spring training, 15, no, 16, 16. And uh, my boss was like, we need a minor league story to open up the minor league season. So I was like, well, I know this Reese Hoskins guy. Didn't know much about you. Knew you had a good year. But more importantly, I knew you played in Australia. So I was like, that's interesting. Talk to you about that in the back of the, the minor league um, clubhouse early in the morning, like 7 a.m., still dark out and i just wanted to write a story about a guy playing in australia because yeah. to me i thought that was different they run the story and it puts up um is philly's the headline i did not write the headline is philly's farmhand hoskins the future at first base or something for the phillies i'm like oh my god i didn't i didn't write that i didn't want like i hate like over hyping people but here we are three years later you are the first baseman of the phillies what what has that journey been like for you to to you know go to, as a guy in the minor league clubhouse three years ago and now your Mickey Moniak told me this offseason you're the face of the franchise. Yeah, it's it's uh it's been a long journey for sure. Um, I think you know when I originally got drafted in 2014, um, I was a wide eyed kid, didn't really know what to expect in pro ball, and I played summer ball um in a couple different places in college that kind of simulates a pro ball schedule a little bit um, but with a little less travel so i was you know obviously i was excited a dream coming true um just to be given an opportunity to play professional baseball but um i don't think i had any clue what i was getting myself into Um, like you said i i got that opportunity to play um in australia in 2015 uh, the winter of 2015, um, going into 2016. And for me, Australia was an opportunity to get more at bats. Um, you know, there's been a lot written about the implementation of a leg kick that I use. Um, and I had just started that basically a year, a year earlier. Um, I had just had a full season under my belt, professional baseball, good old Sally league, a lot of travel, um, and then, you know, finishing in the Florida state league, but I only had about 400, 500 at bats with the leg kick and I just didn't feel completely comfortable with it. Um, so I ended up going to Australia, got an extra 250 at bats there, felt started to feel more normal. Um, obviously working on it for a couple off seasons and then obviously 2016 comes and, you know, we had a great team in Reading confidence comes the, the comfort comes with the leg kick, um, 
and I just kept wanting to keep playing. I didn't want to really lose the rhythm that I had. I went to the Dominican. It's another cool place. I got to play baseball. Um, and I got about another hundred at bats there. And then obviously 2017 was a big year for me. Um, a lot has changed, a lot of memories. Um, a lot of people have helped along the way too many to really even name. Um, but if you would have asked me in 2014, if I thought I would be here right now in the place that I am, I probably would have laughed at you. Um, but life has its funny ways of, of putting you in places that you didn't think you'd end up. And, and here we are. And it's been nothing but fun. Place you are, you mean like recording a podcast <laughs> with me? <laughs> Last season obviously didn't end the way that you guys thought it might have ended, say, in June or July. But, but what did you – when you came to spring training this year, what did you – you know, what was the one thing that you learned from the way that last season ended? I think – you know, when I got called up in 2017, I think it was maybe a couple of weeks in where we were mathematically eliminated, um, you know, from reaching the playoffs. So 2017 was more about getting to know the guys around me. Um, you know, some of the guys that were going to be here long term, more about getting my feet wet in the big leagues, learning how to travel, learning how to just be a big leaguer, life outside of the field. Um, 2018 obviously was very exciting. Um, me personally, but also for this for this team and for this city, like you said, we were – I don't remember the last – was it August 3rd, last day that we were in first place, something like that. Um, and it was really cool to see because I don't think people expected that at all. Um, you know, it was kind of the, – the, the dialogue was kind of like, well, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. Um so it was cool to see some of the reactions that we got, you know, throughout the city, but also across the league. Um, and then obviously the collapse it sucked, still sucks. Um, but I think you have to go through something like that. You know, you have to face some adversity um, to know what it's like to get get back up off the mat. You know, we got hit in the mouth continuously, continuously. And it just felt like it was never going to end. Um, and I think you have to learn what it's like to get back up after you get hit in the mouth so many times. Um, very cliche to say, I know that, but you, you, you get a taste of some, some of that heartbreak. Obviously you don't ever want it to happen again, but it really makes you, um, aware of the things that put you in that place. And it really makes you aware of some of the mistakes that you made. Um, gives you a deeper understanding of what those mistakes were, how we got there, how to fix those mistakes. Um, so all that I think is, is going to be used as fuel. Um, I think as a group, we've kind of stopped focusing on that. And obviously we're, you know, we're looking, looking forward and focusing on today. But, um, I think for the guys that were there, they know that that sting is something that you never want to feel again. I got punched in the face once in eighth grade, and I still can remember how my face felt. So I'm, <laughs> I haven't been in a fight since. I've been doing pretty good. Yeah, exactly. I learned. Um, but it seems like that collapse is like 10 years ago, let alone was it four or five months ago, just because of everything that happened this offseason. Last summer, you're in the home run derby with a guy named Bryce Harper. Seemed like you, you hit it off, and then when the field was being fire the uh lit on fire to dry it you guys were bro hugging and it's like 
it was easy to imagine then the Philly signing Bryce Harper, but you know, there's things that happen. Guys get injured or, or another team steps in and, and he doesn't come to Philadelphia. But now that he's here, what was, um, like your energy level that day when, when, when Philly signed Harper and what has been the most, I guess you knew him a little bit, but what has been the most, um, like surprising thing about him now that you actually are teammates with him? Yeah. So on that, on that day, obviously a ton of excitement. Um, you know, so much anticipation and build up throughout the off season. Um, I think as a group, we were really, really happy with the guys that were already in the clubhouse. Um, you know, we had gotten markedly better and, and and brought in some guys with a ton of experience on some of the biggest stages in baseball. You know, there was a lot. There's a lot to be said about that. But obviously, you know, you get to add a player, and I've come to learn a person like Bryce, um, that makes anybody markedly better, anybody that much better. Um, I didn't know him that much. Obviously we spent a little bit of time down in the tunnels in the cage, um, you know, during the Derby, um, playing against him, playing across from him. Um, you hated him. You know, he was the guy that I think everybody loved to hate, but it, it, I've come to learn, that when he's on your team, you want that guy in your corner. You want that guy in your bunker when you're ready to go to war. And um, it's been great. It's been great so far. He's an awesome dude, you know, great teammate. Um, he's slid right into this clubhouse culture and, and become a part of it instead of, you know, there being a little bit of a transition period. Um, and we're just, I think we're just all excited to kind of see what this is going to look like when we get, get going. There's been a ton written about it, a ton talked about it. I think everybody's just kind of excited to get going. There's a ton of podcasts about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have a cheap joke for every answer you get. <laughs> there is. You lived in Philly this off season. Um, I know you, we talked about before about snow. You, you lived in Cleveland. Do you, do you shovel your own snow? <laughs> yes, I do. Of course I do. You know it's bad when like – you don't shovel, and then someone's knocking on your door to shovel for you. So, so just a, that's a Philly tip, just yeah. to get out there early. You don't want your fiancé to be answering right. the door and some 13-year-old kid wants yeah, to yeah. shovel your steps. Yeah. But what, what did you – living in Philly, did you learn anything about the city and about, you know, what Philadelphians are like from, from your time there? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, our time in Philly during the season can feel rushed sometimes just because – um, we're at the ballpark a ton of time. We're on the road a ton of time. Um, you know, we don't have a whole lot of off days at home. We're not traveling. Um, so our time in the city during the season is pretty limited to a couple hours in the morning, maybe a few hours at night after a day game. Um, but Philadelphia, I think the best way that I've talked about it with my fiance is that even though it's a bigger city, you know, it's, what is it, the fifth or sixth biggest market in baseball, um, four major sports teams. You know, it's got the skyline. It's got everything, right? We're, we're close to all these major, major cities in, on the East Coast. But I think the difference between Philadelphia and some of these other big cities on the East Coast is its people. Um, everybody knows it's kind of more of a blue-collar town. Um, you know, people stick their, their boots in the mud and they get their hands dirty and, um, and they work. And I think that contributes to the city feeling a little bit more like a town. Um, 
the strangers feel a little bit more like friends and, and family instead of millions and millions of people in some of these other big cities on the East Coast where they do feel like strangers. Um, there's just a, a welcoming, nurturing um, component to Philadelphia that makes it feel a little bit more like a town. And I was, you know, very, very happy and and excited to kind of feel that throughout a whole off season where I had a lot of time to explore. Um, so the people were awesome. Food's incredible. Someone who loves food. Um, food's incredible. All the little pockets around the city are really, really cool to, and very different from each other. And um, it was really cool to explore. I, my, my guess is that if the Phillies will have me, um, I'll be here for as, as long as I can, as long as I can picture and even during the off season. And, um, it was quiet. It was nice. I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Very cool to hear as someone who's from Philadelphia, you know, I remember talking about this last spring that it was, it's neat to see like the pro athletes immerse themselves in the city and you became like an Eagles fan. Yeah. I know you were a Raiders fan, but you know, you, you bought into being an Eagles fan and you went to the Super Bowl. So you represented all the Philadelphians at the, at the game. And there was a, Brian Dawkins came to camp this year. What was, you know, what was that message like? And what did you, um, like, what did you take away from, he, he spoke to all you guys in the clubhouse. What did you take away from him? Obviously, uh, Doc's a pretty, pretty big legend in the city. Um, and he spoke about just what it's like, uh, to play in the city, play for the people of the city. Um, and kind of what, you know, the sports in this city mean to the fans and the people in Philadelphia. Um, obviously he had seen some pretty high highs and some pretty low lows in his career. So to, to hear his experience about, you know, people looking forward to, to Sunday as a release from their life um, was was pretty relatable and kind of gave us some insight about why uh, some some fans in Philadelphia are so passionate. And so that was really cool to see. And then another big thing that he talked about was um, the importance of making your team more like a brotherhood and the ways to kind of establish that brotherhood. Obviously, we spent a ton of time together, um, a ton of time at the field together. But just the importance of getting to know who we are as people, um, you know, who your teammates are as people and not just as your teammate. Um, and, and how special that can be when everybody's on the same page. And we talked earlier about, you know, the toughness from last season, but you played, you know, two months with a broken jaw. Just, when we talked about that a lot last season, but when you look back now, the jaw's healed, right? It is. How painful was that to, you know, it's easy to say you played with a broken jaw, but to actually play with it, how painful was it? You know, I think after the initial hit-by-pitch, um, it's probably about two weeks where there's a pretty large amount of discomfort, um, you know, even kind of when I was running, and that's one of the things that some of the doctors were pretty worried about. Um, but once, you know, I came off the, the disabled list, um, whatever it was, 10, 11, 12 days later, um, felt pretty normal running around pretty normal doing pretty much everything except eating. And so I just had to find different ways to make sure that I was getting the things that I needed, um, in my body in terms of, you know, food and nutrients and all that. Um, but it was, I think 
instead of some of the physical pain, it was just more of getting over that mental hump of, yeah, it can happen again. Um, and kind of once I kind of let go of that and, and being scared of that, I think everybody saw that it kind of gave me a nice little kick in the butt and, you know, kind of got me back on track. You know who Kurt Angle is? I do. He used to say that he won two gold medals with a broken freaking neck. So you should be like, I hit 34 homers yeah. with a broken <laughs> freaking jaw. <laughs> Could be your tagline. <laughs> um, and then you faced a four outfield shift today. Yeah. Harper, we talked about Harper facing a four outfield shift. Do you think these things are going to be the norm in baseball this year? And, and I know your approach is just to ignore it, but do you think you'll see it again? Or is it just spring training fluke? I don't know if it's necessarily a fluke. Um, obviously, it's spring training. This is the time to try some of those things. Um, a lot of it, I think, has to do with each manager and each organization's approach to some of those things. But I think now that it's been done, um, you know, when something that is out of the norm like that, that is maybe an idea, it's always, it seems to be that nobody wants to be the first to do it, even though it might make the most sense. And um, now that someone's done it and you've seen it before, I think you are going to see more teams do that. There's just a ton more data out there, right? Um, You know, I kind of spoke to it before, but I'm not trying to hit ground balls. I will hit ground balls. Of course I will. There's guys with good sink ball. Um, It's going to happen. But there's just not a lot of hits for me on the ground. And... If you want me to go up there with two outs and I see a four-man outfield and you want me to try to punch something through the the, the four hole and get a single, um, I could probably do that. You know, I think guys in this league are athletic enough to do that. But now we got to get two more hits for me to score, or we got to get two more guys on to score with two outs. And you know, as the data suggests, for the same reason that they're putting four guys in the outfield. Um, getting three guys on in a row with two outs is not something that happens very often. Sure, it will. And, you know, then people will say, well, look what happened. But I think we're playing the long game here. And over a 162-game season, you want me going up there trying to hit a double, and now we need one hit to score. And I think that will render more runs for us, and obviously more runs is usually means more wins. And the last thing here, you uh, Harper made headlines last week with his walk-up song, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. You've had two walk-up songs, right? In your since you've been on the Phillies, to you, what? And it is it uh, Calvin Harris now? Yeah. What goes into a good walk-up song, and who has the best walk-up song on the team? Um, let's see, who's the best on the team? Okay, so for me, a good walk-up song is something that I can. I don't like to feel a whole lot of. Um, hyping myself up, walking up there. Something that I just, it's got a nice beat, kind of puts me in a place of, of comfort. Um, I know that's not the way that some guys think about it. You know, some guys want to get hyped up, walking to, up to the dish. Um, but that's kind of what goes in it, into it for me. Puts me in a good mood. Um, best on the team. Some of the Latin ones can crack me up, right? I know that's a huge part of their culture. Um, so that that'll that usually gives me a, a, a good laugh. 
Um, I think pitchers are spoiled because they get a lot more of their song, song. right? Um, How about in your nap? Naps is good. I actually used that one in college, so you did. Yeah. Um, well, well, I don't know about that, but no, that's that's my pick. <laughs> Naps is good. Yeah, yeah. Naps is good. Um, Scotts is pretty good too. Yeah. Um, if we're little old like, school. Like funny, like Bryce obviously went for like sure, the sure, fun song. right. I think Scott and wins. But if song like I listen to. Like, I actually had to find out what Nap song was. So, so you could listen to it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say one of those guys is pretty good. Um, Nick had to have led the league in walk-up songs last year. I feel like he was changing it every... Yeah, he had some He had some good ones. I can't knock him for trying, just trying to find something that sticks. <laughs>